Okay. So today we have with us Miriam, who is an, not an intuitive healer, but definitely a healer or yes, an intuitive healer who works with specifically specializes in kind of gen- internet generational trauma. Hello. Welcome. Hi, thank you for having me. Thank you. Thank you so much for being here. And I got to say, I really love Miriam's energy. I know her just from Instagram and she's an insanely talented, very smart woman, very, very smart, a beautiful writer (laughs) and incredibly articulate to the point that I aspire to be like her. Like I've even sent it in my group chat with my friends, her words, because she has this way of just saying things in a way that just totally makes sense to anyone listening and she's just a really beautiful person so I'm so glad to have her here today so introduce us yourself to us tell us what are you about yeah. who are you what's your story so, first of all thank you so much for for that warm introduction and I'm equally as obsessed with you um I've sent your stuff to my friends before I talk about you to my sister and I'm pretty sure I um, I've sent you like love messages in your DMs. <laughs> Thank um, you. <laughs> That's so kind. Um, and yeah, so I essentially hold space for mostly women I've noticed now and their healing, um, emotional healing and spiritual empowerment process. And this obviously looks different person to person, woman to woman. And my main intention, I guess, is to connect people to their internal roadmap, to their internal manual. And Mm -hmm. so they can begin to navigate their journey um, in a more soul-led way. So it's not necessarily a cookie-cutter approach where I'm like, oh, you have this and you (laughs) do this. Or, you know, um, it's very, very intimate to the person. And it's usually, it usually revolves around very, very deep, emotional healing and like you said I I usually tend to attract women with some sort of um, ancestral generational kind of trauma that's usually passed through their lineage um, and yeah things like that. Just to kind of clarify just one little thing is this kind of like what you do is it almost like a form of coaching? I don't always love the word, but like listening to what you do and how you take such a personal and specific approach, do you kind of see yourself almost as um, an intuitive kind of healer slash coach? I'm just curious. Yeah. Yeah, I would say so. And I also have a really weird thing around the word coaching. I don't know why. I can yeah, I don't just, like it. I, I, I hate it as I well. <laughs> I don't know why. I could just like, I could never apply it to myself. So whenever anyone asks me, what do you do? I really struggle with that question because I'm in. I'm in. I I really I I I would say that yes, I I could fall under the category of a coach, uh, you know, ascension coach, woman's coach, and at the same time, I don't know if I would ever call myself that, but ju- that's just due to personal reasons and my kind of weird feelings around the word coach. No, I 100% agree. I always feel like it's a bit of a, like, I. it's not that I like don't like it. It's just that there's something very um, strange around that word. And I actually, mm. you're not the only one or the only sort of essentially a coach of some sort that said that to me. A lot of people don't seem to like that word. So we're not alone. <laughs> we're not alone. Oh, but that's yes. really, really interesting. So 
how, what what kind of like pushed you into this area? Why do you is because it sounds I know you, mm. <laughs> and just for people who don't know it, um, you're incredibly passionate around this area. Like it's something mm. that's so just integral to who you are in my but in yeah. my perspective. It's really like there are some people who kind of um, walk walk along and they like do something, but they don't live it. Whereas you live it. I can tell, Mm. you know, it's something that is so just integral to who you are. So like what pushed you in this direction? Yeah, I would say definitely my upbringing and the kind of life that I was born into. I feel like I almost had no choice but to go inward. So I was, yeah, I was born. (laughs) That's the spiritual way. Sorry, yeah. <laughs> that's it's like, a spiritual rock, way. Rock yeah, bottom. you have no, yeah, rock button, no, no, no opportunity but this. Need to do it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, continue. Exactly, exactly. I mean, I was born into a set of restrictions, and I really wanted out. I wanted an exit route out of these restrictions, and at the same time, I was faced with these very real, very physical barriers to that so um to me i didn't really have the option of especially growing up i didn't really have the option of choosing you know choosing what Mm -hmm. i wear choosing what i say choosing where i go choosing what to do choosing what to think and so as i was growing up that obviously became a problem And I started becoming increasingly aware of all the areas where I wasn't free. And a lot of it had to do with the external world. So um, it felt like things on the outside blocking, blocking off or blocking away my freedom. And so my first kind of uh, the first thing or first place that I turned to was religion because that's just what I was born into. And so I was like, of okay, course. if I perfect yeah. this religion thing, if I do it right, if I become God's good girl, I will, I'll get everything, you know, this, that's what they told me. That's yeah. how I was introduced to it. And, you know, it's if you're a good person, you get this. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And all that was, you know, in hindsight was wound touching wound. I was feeling wounded and I wanted to, um, I wanted to escape this wounding and I did that by going into more wounding. So um, by kind of um, by trying to fix my problems or the areas where I didn't feel free through religion, I was just repeating the narrative that I was trying to escape from. So I was just saying again how I wasn't free and I need to look at something, look to something on the outside to become free. And obviously that just led into more of the same and um, my life didn't change. In fact, I just felt even more um, trapped, more distance. Yeah, more, yeah, more distance, more trapped, more, all of those things. And so the next thing was uh, I started learning about spirituality and the law of attraction and how you create your own reality, except my introduction to it and the way I approached it was really was it was just it was not the best I remember (laughs) again just like using it to to escape so I was like wow okay these people are saying that if I just visualize that I'm free then I'm gonna be free so um so I kind of dipped into that world but that was also at the cost of confronting 
the feelings of trappedness and isolation that I was experiencing on the inside. So the way I kind of um, got into spirituality was a very mental thing. I wasn't embodying freedom. I didn't know what it meant to be free. I was just like, oh, okay, wow, this is the concept of freedom. And I am just going to visualize my way into it and it's going to happen. Yeah. And so that also led to more of the same. I was just feeling more trapped, more isolated um, because I was, I was kind of, um, I was doing it all at the cost of, again, like I said, confronting my own shit. I was yeah. in no way, like in no part of the process did I sit down and sit with these feelings of, um, resentment and injustice and grief that wasn't that obviously didn't work out and that's when I started getting really really desperate and feeling even more isolated so it was funny because and ironic because I kind of ran away from religion and my world into the spiritual world to belong and then I ended up feeling even more isolated by the yeah. spiritual world because it was like now if you if you are going to if you're going to act like you are confined, you are going to be confined. And so I was like, wow, great. So I don't feel welcome anywhere. And that's, that's when I started really, um, that's when I hired my own uh, coach. And she really helped me connect with my own internal roadmap. And this is, this is why I'm so passionate about the work that I do, because I can't ask someone on the West in the Western world, you know, Western spirituality to, yeah, I can't ask them for instructions to a place they've never gone to. No, 100%. Yeah. That's when I started really connecting with my own, um, my own internal roadmap and realizing that there are two parts to the equation. There is the spiritual perspective that you choose the family that you are born into and you choose the restrictions and you choose this and you choose that for the purpose of evolution and for, you know, consciousness essentially to know itself. And then there's also another layer of the human who really did not choose any of this. No, not at all. Yeah. Hates, yeah <laughs> who hates it. And you have to be able to hold both and you can't, um, you can't dabble into um, all of these uh, laws, you know, laws of attraction and, manifestation and all of that without reckoning with your human and without reckoning with um with your circumstance and with your situation because I found that when I began to really confront the oppressive forces in my life um when I began to confront them on the inside so how did they make me feel how does it feel when I can't wear what I want how does it feel that a man has to decide when I'm allowed to cut my hair And when I started really, really reckoning with those pieces and sitting with them and grieving and and dying, um, that is when I was offered the energetic opening into more freedom. So they kind of go hand in hand. And it's really, it's a gray area. And that's why I say you you really can't apply a single teaching to everyone. You really have to get really specific about, about you and what your soul wants you to do and what your soul and where your soul wants you to go no a hundred percent you're speaking my language and did i not say how eloquent she was i mean listen to all of those beautiful words (laughs) sorry that's just me and my 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 writer's heart um no but you're 
absolutely and 100% right because I always find that the more I get into spirituality, the more I realize that there's no one right way and that scares me but it's also a really liberating thought because when you come across someone and I think it's a little bit of like a savior thing from being a spiritual person Mm. and sensitive and empathic, you just want to help people so you think that one way is going to help them and so you force this kind of roadmap onto them but uh, and I think that every spiritual person goes through that at some point where you just want to help so bad and it's not a badly intended thing but it doesn't work and that's something that I think has personally come up for me and come up um, in the kind of last two years in being like there's no one right way you don't know a set Mm. of circumstances you don't because as we were saying before we actually started recording there are actually some roadblocks for people just because you know we say you know, you can visualize it. It doesn't always work that way. There are literal mm. roadblocks for people. As we were saying, you know, with those towers mm. in Melbourne, you know, they actually can't leave them. And if you don't know what I mean, there's been towers in Melbourne that have been shut down by the government for Corona and the people are not allowed to leave. And it was very badly done. Um, but I can't get into that cause I'll get too angry um, and too passionate, yeah, yeah. but no, that there's no one, one right way. And so that's why I really admire the fact that you're talking about um, really connecting with your own roadmap because it's so incredibly pivotal to anyone's transformation and spiritual growth. And um, same as well, I totally resonate and understand what you mean. I think that the law of attraction, and I've seen this a lot in um, all of my work and with my clients, people tend to use the law of attraction as a band-aid to yeah. Yes, you need to visualize what you want and yes, you need to create what you want. That's there's no issue with that. But before you do that, you have to confront really big things to be able to mm-hmm. actually freely create mm-hmm. that for yourself. Do you understand? Do, do you get what I mean? Mm-hmm. Am I making sense? Yeah. Yeah. No, and yes, I can one million percent. Yeah, I fully agree with what you're saying. And I feel like the law of attraction is a way that we sometimes gaslight ourselves and gaslight our human. And that's definitely something that I did, you know? Like I had these real ass barriers all around me and I was just like, yeah, no, it's not real. We're just going to, you know, visualize a little deeper, spend more time in meditation. And at the end of the day, it's like you said, if you want to be able to embrace the spiritual perspective, which is that ultimately you are free and nothing can really touch you without your permission, you have to embrace the human perspective as well. You can't do one without the other. And the same goes for embracing the human perspective without the spiritual perspective. That's just a recipe for, you know, victim land. If you are just so in the human perspective, you can't see beyond the wound, which is where I was and where I feel like most of us are in the beginning. Oh yeah. We all go in that stage. Yeah. hundred percent. Which is what triggers the kind of spiritual awakening, awakening in the first place. I feel like learning how to hold the two together. So understanding that um, the spiritual practice, the spiritual perspective um, is truth, um, but not doing that at the cost of validating your human. Because if you do that, it's like you said, you're going to be putting a bandaid on everything and just gaslighting yourself basically. Literally. Yeah. No, hundred percent. And it's, and it's such a shame because even though I totally appreciate that I, that you, that we are all spiritual beings having a spiritual experience, there's also some 
big and beautiful things to be taken Mm. from being human because, Mm. you know, whenever I connect with angels and guides, the reason that, you know, angels specifically come around us is because yes, they experience um, unconditional love, but they don't experience maybe the emotions that we experience and Mm. the depth of emotion. And I mean, not to be like, this is maybe the writer in me who loves a bit of like poetry, but like there is Mm. something beautiful to taking deep, deep pain and being able to transform Mm. it into something that is so beautiful. And I think sometimes um, at the, we kind of, we do that, but we do it at the, we we kind of reject that part of us. And as you said, it's that bandaid effect. And I just, I really love that you're talking about holding both the human and the spirit because it's so important. And I think, this is something that as much as I, like, I disagree with some of the things that other spiritualists say, do I tell them or do I No, Like we're all welcome yeah. to our own perspective. And I really yeah. respect that. But yeah. sometimes I just think, especially coming from the Western perspective where we do have a fuckload of freedom, let's be honest. We do, we have a, mm. we have a fuckload of freedom and it's just different. It's, it's not bad. It's yeah. not better. It's just different. We yeah. kind of take for granted these, these different things and these concepts and we've kind of westernized them to the point, but some, mm. you know, there are actual barriers and you do need to be able to hold yourself, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I, I love the piece you said about pain and how it can be beautiful because also the writer in me as well. I, I love poetry. I love feeling mm. people through their words and through what they share. And I wanted to sever that part of me at one point because I was kind of, I wouldn't even call it I was, I wouldn't even say I was too spiritual because I feel like true spirituality considers humanity. But when I was using spirituality to delude myself, I was like, okay, you know what? All these parts have to go. And then I just ended up feeling so empty because I, I essentially had severed. Yeah, Yeah. you weren't accepting all parts of yourself. Sorry, continue. Exactly. Um, exactly. And I wasn't embracing my full spectrum. And I, I almost went into this thing where it was like, I didn't even allow myself to enjoy poetry or enjoy sad music, which is literally my favorite kind of music. music. (laughs) We love that. (laughs) We love that. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I feel like, again, it goes back to that thing where if you use one to invalidate the other, it's always a recipe for disaster. But if you're able to hold the two together, then that's the whole point of this journey, I feel like. Yeah, no, a hundred percent. That's beautifully said. And it's such a it's such a big concept. And it's so I think as well, like I don't think it's spoken about enough. Just like honestly, I don't, because as you said, like it's a full spectrum thing. And I always like whenever I've felt into the ego and whenever I've talked about I always think it's just like different, like spectrum. It's a spectrum. It's different yeah. parts of yourself, different aspects. That's the word I'm looking for. I was trying to make mm. spectrums, aspects. They're different aspects. And the truth is one of yourselves in this life has chosen to be human and you need to yeah. find deep respect for that because that is like yeah. a, even reverency for that because that's, yeah. it's, it's incredible what we can do, what we can endure and what we can overcome as humans. Yeah. It's really incredible. Yeah. Yeah. And you yourself have overcome, overcame, (laughs) overcame a shitload, especially in terms of um, addressing, you know, 
uh, as, I was about to say ascended. <laughs> what I meant is ancestral wounds and family <laughs> wounds. Yeah. That's been a really big part of your journey, hasn't it? Yeah, definitely. I was definitely not open to it in the beginning. I, like I we said, never I are. really, we never yeah. <laughs> when, uh, whenever I, you know, first started reading on spirituality and soul contracts and incarnation and all these things, I was like, fuck this shit. Like I don't, I want to skip this part. Yeah. I really want to skip this part. And sometimes I still find myself to be completely honest with you in that place of resistance to what I chose. And I feel like we also need to normalize that a little bit that, you know, not all of you is going to agree to this. And that's the whole point of being a spiritual being in a human body. And, um, and yeah, so initially I obviously did not want to accept any of it. And I feel like that's because initially I thought that I had to accept it as permanent, but it was really the opposite. It's when you accept it, you be, it's not permanent anymore because when you accept it, you, in a way, um, you neutralize the charge around it and then you're able to choose differently. But mm. if you haven't accepted it, you're in resistance to it, which means you have a lot of charge around it, which means you're just going to keep attracting the same. Um, and so I feel like it takes a lot of courage and I needed a lot of support and alone time and I needed to be extremely devoted to myself and to my daily practice and to my emotional release practice. Emotional releasing was huge for me because, mm. um, because mentally I was like, you know what? Okay, fine. I'm ready to accept this. Let's do this. Let's, um, let's introduce the higher perspective. But at the same time, my body was feeling rejection and isolation. And I was, I was feeling invalidated by by God, by existence, by, by everything. And so I really had to, um, meet all of these stories in my body, all of these, not only my stories, but you know, my mother's stories, her mother, their lineage, you know, the whole, the whole situation. Um, I had to meet all of those stories in my body and I had to, um, I had to meet them and I had to slowly learn to love them and embrace them. And when and when I and like I said when I did that they it's almost like you are offered an opening out of it because you learned your lesson and that's not to say that you know um, God spirit higher power is trying to punish you by teaching you but um, that's the whole point of you know the contrast and the, the um the contrast that we're born into and the like unpreferred circumstances that we're born into is that if you can see them for what they are, then you can finally move past them. No, a hundred percent. How did you find that you um, accepted those changes into your body? Cause I know that you're a big fan of breath work mm. and um, mm. using different techniques because I think, and I see this a lot with clients who've, and I know this with my own personal trauma is that when you go through a traumatic experience for me, especially um, for instance, just to pick, pick a trauma, um, would be, yeah. <laughs> you know, cause we all have a couple to choose. Um, trauma gang. You know, literally the maturity born from the trauma. Um, but <laughs> when I, a big one for me is, um, total rejection from my dad, completely invalidated and told basically, mm. 
not to shut up, but just completely being ignored and unheard in the face of that Mm. trauma. And whenever I tried to heal that and when I did, and when I forgave a lot around that, when I would zone in, I could feel it in my body. Like I could feel it, especially in my chest, in my solar plexus and in my throat, Mm. in those three areas, in my heart and my, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I think sometimes people get over traumas kind of mentally in a lot of ways, but Mm. they're still very much hung up emotionally and in their bodies. And that's one of the big things that I had to combat, like really shifting energy within my body and within my kind of, yes, emotional, but like literally my nervous system needed to be cleaned out. It just, it stays there and it sticks there. And it's funny because like, going back to that like whole spiritual contrast of the human and the spiritual experience, you know, we want to say that, you know, within spirit, once you're in spirit, everything can be healed because everything is love, but we have to honor that we're humans here. And that means that trauma Mm. does sit in our body. And for Mm. a little while, when I was going through my journey, I got a bit arrogant, a little bit like arrogant or a little bit (laughs) egotistical. We all do. do, Yeah. Yeah. Where I was kind of like, Uh, Because I remember once when I was lying like down, I once saw like reality rip open and I was like, oh my God, it's just a matrix. Yeah. It was a really cool thing. Like I saw it was like a hole in like, it's like if you got a piece of paper and then you ripped it and I saw like right through and I was like, oh my God, this is just such an illusion. And so what I did with that was I said, okay, if this is an illusion, then I don't have to be sad about that rejection from my dad. It's, it doesn't exist at the physical level. It yeah. only exists in the spiritual level and I'm spiritual. So I'm just going to kind of disregard. This was my very arrogant 16 yeah. year old self um, yeah. who then got sick for four years because that was the way to teach her to deal with her dad and that trauma. Yeah. Literally. Um, so how, like, just sorry, a bit of a tangent, but I think we have to really honor um, where trauma sits in our bodies. And how did you, like, what ways did you find doing that and clearing that nervous system, clearing, clearing all that? Yeah. Yeah. First of all, thank you so much for sharing so vulnerably. And I feel like the number one thing I would say before you move in any direction whatsoever is creating safety in your body. So before you even decide to meet this trauma, Because as you are, if you're someone who hasn't done any work and all of this sounds a little bit foreign to you, you have to first anchor safety in your body. Otherwise, the you A won't be able to hold hold the wound or hold yourself in trauma. B you won't be able to hold yourself in trauma and then you essentially kind of re-traumatize yourself in a way. So I would say that number one is creating safety in your body. And I love that you brought the point about nervous system healing because that first needs to be in check before you decide to look at anything. So um, number one, anchor safety in your body. And I would do that through a daily practice. So as much as, you know, breath work and meditation and the actual practice is very important it's the consistency of it and doing it over time that's going to signal to your body that it's safe. So it's almost like, um, it's almost like if you treat your emotional body, you know, the body with the wounds and the trauma, you treat it like a baby. So basically let's be real. You've been ignoring it. Not, 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 and it's nobody's fault, but you've been ignoring it for 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years. And now you're deciding that you want to look at it the baby is not going to immediately trust you. So you have to show it every day consistently that you are going to show up for it. So 
Um, this is why I stress the importance of a daily practice. So start and end your day in the same way, every way, in order to signal to your wounding that it's safe to unravel to you. And then once you begin to anchor that sense of safety, you can start to get into like the modality. So um, like we mentioned earlier, breath work is a really, really big one, especially for people like us who are very, very heavily in the mental space and really are overthinkers and love to talk about concepts and <laughs> it's, you know, existential, um, which, <laughs> yes, very existential. So um, breath work kind of short circuits all of that. So whether you are the most hyper, you, you are the hyperthinker of all hyperthinkers, breath will short circuit into what it needs to short circuit and um, whatever needs to be met in that moment will come up. So um, once you've anchored that safety in your body, then you can go into the modalities like breath work or even um, movement practices. So um, ecstatic dancing or literally just like throwing a tantrum with your body. And the number one thing here, no matter what the practice is, whether it's writing, dancing, shaking, boxing, working out, if you are connected to your breath, then what you need to see or meet or feel will come up. Because um, when, if you're in your breath, you're in your body. And if you're in your body, you can access the trauma. Um, mm. But if you're doing these things, like, I mean, breath work, you can't not be breathing when you're doing it. But let's say you're doing... Um, you're doing some sort of dance or you're doing the practice uh, where you throw a tantrum with your body. If you're in your head, then you're literally just flailing your limbs around and nothing's going to happen. So um, if you're, um, whatever you're doing to make sure that you're connected to your breath. Um, Cause I know that a lot of people, for example, they're like, Oh, well I tried this or I tried yoga or I tried that, but nothing happened. That's because they tried it, but they were, still disassociated from their bodies like they were in their bodies but they weren't really in their bodies um and i also just want to speak to the point about um what happens when you ignore your human or you ignore your trauma because i really found myself in that kind of arrogant place where um i remember it's, it was it's a phase <laughs> it's fine <laughs> it's a phase we all go through it and then we're kicked um, on our ass by spirit yeah Yes, literally kicked I, in my literal ass. Yeah. Um, I, re <laughs> I remember once I read this post about how it's exactly what you said, where it's like nothing is real and everything's imagined and blah, blah, blah. And for some reason, I just decided to um, take that on as my truth. And, and um, I started... I started kind of subscribing to that narrative that you were talking about where it's like, well, if, if nothing is real, then I can just choose because at the end of the day, nothing is real. So <laughs> do you know what I mean? Um, and I kid you not, I found myself in this existential rabbit hole where I literally wanted to throw up. Like I got physically sick and I wanted to throw up because, because of the existentialness. Like I truly, I, I could not be in my body because it was just a nightmare. It was a nightmare and it was hell. Mm -hmm. And that was kind of my, my kick in the ass to kind of um, really begin to reintroduce my human and my body and, um, and give myself permission to, to really honor that. And I feel like I honestly needed that because I have a very like naturally kind of addictive slash extremist personality. So <laughs> 
When spirit wants to teach me a lesson, I usually have to swing from one end of the spectrum to the other before I come to the middle. And I did the same thing with religion and I did obviously the same thing with spirituality. I, I, I did the same thing with, um, with healthy eating. I did the same thing with the gym. I'll go to one end of the spectrum and then I'm like, and then I'll hear one thing or I'll be inspired to go the other way, but I'll go all the way to the opposite side. And then I'll, I'll just feel so exhausted, depleted, and, um, just very disconnected from my body. And, um, and yeah, and then I eventually come to center. So to Mm -hmm. circle back to your initial question, um, number one, safety in the body. And then number two, begin to go into modalities that, um, take you deeper into your body, like breath work, dance, boxing, whatever it is. Mm. Um, and commitment really it's commitment and devotion to your emotional process is extremely important. So as much as you want to honor your spiritual process and all these amazing teachings that you're learning and all these things that you're manifesting, show that same commitment that you have towards pleasure to your own, um, to pain and to, you know, whatever's in between so the full spectrum of emotions yeah and that's real self-care that is Mm. the definition of self-care it's not just i'm gonna manifest a home it's also Mm. taking care of you in your full um spectrum of emotions taking care of yourself completely the human and it's really interesting as well because basically what you're talking about to me sounds like a grounding practice you know it's Mm. it's about grounding and and, and being grounded and um it actually brings to mind a friend and she once said to me that she was um on holiday with a friend and they were both very like spiritual and very i think they were both healers they both um were reiki masters something like that and she said that every morning that woman would go off and do all of these spiritual practices and the mantras. And it's not that they were bad, but my friend would actually sit there and paint her nails with red nail polish and actually concentrate on being and grounding. And she always Mm. said that like, it like took time, but it was just like, it's a difference. One is not worse than the other. Don't get me wrong. If you want to do the mantras, there's nothing wrong with that. But I think that you have to start by just meeting yourself before you even Mm. get to all of that. Don't, don't, like wake up in the morning with the expectation of trying to like create something and be better and do something more like have that as a goal don't get me wrong but meet yourself first and just like see love and accept yourself just for who you are without Mm. all the add-ons and just really focus on that grounding and it's really like exercise and body I always see such a dramatic difference when I'm at Mm. the gym because I would go every day and the difference in my channeling and the difference in how I was feeling around all of my spiritual practices by just focusing on my body Mm. was completely monumental it was really a game changer and I was kind of like a bit angry with myself like "Mm, you knew this would happen so why didn't you do this sooner it's really important to focus on that grounding practice whether that you know be about creating safety I love that you said that creating safety for yourself because so many people don't actually feel safe in their own skin these days yeah 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 wow so many so many things are coming up as you're talking I want to say Number one is, yeah, if, if you can't meet yourself and love yourself when you are staring at yourself in the mirror and brushing your teeth, then nothing, everything else will be futile, mm-hmm. um, really. 
and going back to the gym and just the movement piece, 1 million percent. I mean, like my Instagram page is like full of me. Yeah, you're a big gym. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. That's, be- yeah, that's because I literally, I mean, gym is a huge part of my emotional and spiritual practice. Whenever I gym, I kid you not, every single time I've been to the gym, every single time, and I go almost every day, like pretty le- regularly. Every single time I've been to the gym, since I started going to the gym, I have cried after my gym session every single time without fail, every single time. And that's because you are so, you know, when you're, for example, let's say lifting or dancing or whatever it is, whatever the exercises that you're doing, you are really in your body and um, you're connecting. And especially for me, when I'm, for example, when I'm lifting, you really have to uh, watch your breath. And because I'm just, it's almost like a, um, it's almost like a thing that happens on automatic. My breath automatically adjusts itself and I'm in my body. And so it's literally a recipe for release. And I really, really love it. And I used to hate it because I, I don't know. I just thought, you know, why am I so freaking sensitive? I can't even freaking go to the (laughs) gym and lift some weights without crying. But then I just started accepting it, it, you know, (laughs) I just, I just started accepting it and now I just I it's such a beautiful process for me to um go to the gym and um speaking to your last piece about most people don't feel safe in their bodies one million percent I actually was writing a post on this today where it's like if you're breathe if you're right now if you're listening to this and you're breathing from your lungs you don't feel safe in your body mm, and that's wow. completely and totally okay but just know that if you are breathing from your lungs, you already are disassociated from your body and you don't feel safe. But, and at least you know this now and you can start to um, introduce some deeper breathing because yeah. um, this is actually another thing that I recommend, you know, besides the safety and this and that is just noticing your breath day to day, you know, as you're walking to your car or you're at work, you're at your office job, whatever it is. Notice how you're breathing. That is one of the most transformational ways to shift, um, to shift your body from fight or flight to a more relaxed, a more relaxed state. Is literally just noticing your your breath when you're doing normal things, going to the supermarket. You know, um, noticing where you're breathing from. Is it shallow? Are you breathing from your belly or from your lungs? How long are your inhales and exhales? That can tell you a lot about yourself. And it's also the most accessible way to shift how you feel. And you don't need any fancy tools. You don't need anything. You literally just need to notice your breath. Yeah. That's, it's, it's, it's so funny because as soon as you said that, I was like, mm, I'm not breathing. I'm breathing from my life. <laughs> you yeah. called me out. I was like, oh, no, but that's so, it's so true because I think sometimes people have this idea that healing has to be all these like different things, but sometimes it's just about going, how am I going to make day-to-day life a better mm. thing? Cause I remember once I, I don't know where I read it. Maybe I can't remember. I read it somewhere and someone said, if you want to change your life, you change, you just need to change your day-to-day life. And that's so mm. like, to me, I don't know why, but reading that was mind blowing yeah. because the truth is that yeah if you want to change your life, you do have to change your day-to-day life. And we know that, but when you break it down like that, it's really not as difficult as we think to implement small changes and get big results. And I think noticing your breathing, 
noticing how like and byproduct, you know, understanding how safe or unsafe you feel within yourself and within your body is just such a powerful way to do that, you know? Yeah. 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 One hundred percent. I feel like that's also one of the ways that I began to access healing initially because I was reading all these things about meditation retreats and yoga retreats and da da da. And I really wanted to be a part of all of that. But also I was really ignoring all of the entry points that I did have. And these are entry points to healing that everyone has. And it's, it's, it's exactly what you said. It's um, when you wake up in the morning and I don't know, like you reach for your toothbrush or you're making your coffee or you're having your breakfast. Can you be with yourself in that place? And can you accept yourself in that place? Because if you can't, then nothing beyond it will satisfy you. You know, just because just because the grander, more shiny things seem um, seem like they'll bring you satisfaction and seem like they'll, they'll make you happier, you won't even be able to fully appreciate the bigger and grander things. Yeah, if you can't appreciate your breakfast in the morning. And really, it's like you said, it seems so small and insignificant, like, it really, it seems so small. Like, can you just, can you be here while you're eating your pancakes? Like, can, can you do that? It seems so small, but if you really pay attention to how you are rushing past all of these, um, all of these moments and all of these points where all of these invitations to meet yourself deeper, to appreciate yourself deeper, if you're rushing past those, then, um, then nothing, nothing will satisfy you really. No. And I think that you can see that all over the world. There are, you know, just a million different people who want more, want more, aren't happy, aren't happy, want more, want more, aren't happy. And I'm not going to exempt myself from that. And I I don't Mm. think anyone who's truly honest Mm. with themselves would, because we are brought up with a narrative that all of this happiness can come from the outside and the external world. But when you, and look, some happiness does like when I, you know, come home and I've made a thousand dollars, it makes me happy. I I won't lie. It gives me satisfaction, but it's not going to bring me much more satisfaction. Like if I don't, it just doesn't, it doesn't last. It's not, um, it's not Mm -hmm. real. It's, it's, it's bizarre because it is real, but it's not. And it's something that you have to implement gratitude essentially into just Mm. like small things and I know like people listening and you know for myself and I'm maybe for you I don't know if I'm speaking for you (laughs) tell me I'm not if I'm not but sometimes especially when there are really big traumas that we're dealing with and really real Mm. physical barriers it's really hard to do it's not it's such a small thing and it should be so easy but it can be really hard to do at the same time it's a bizarre Mm. kind of contrast isn't it yeah 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 I I 100% agree with that I mean at the end of the day we don't want to be bullying ourselves into gratitude because that's just counterproductive (laughs) oh yeah so you know how much of it can you invite? It's not even like, how grateful can you? No, it's just like, can I invite a little bit of gratitude here? Or can I invite a little bit of softness here? Or can I invite a little bit more breath here? Um, it's about, yeah, it's, it's, um, it's about asking yourself if you can, gently asking yourself if you can invite these things 
And if you notice that you have a lot of um, resistance to it, or if your body's completely rejecting it, like for me in the beginning, if I told myself to be grateful for anything when I was first starting out, my body just rejected that. You know, I was literally a walking, I'm sure a lot of us as well, like probably all of us, um, you're a walking wound. You're a walking collection of wounds. So, you know, wound, you can't ask wounds to be grateful, especially not in the beginning. So, um, I don't know what it would look like. like so, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, and, and so, yeah, that's when you end up, when we end up like owning ourselves to be more grateful. No, it's about um, slowly as much as you can injecting it slowly into your system, inviting it slowly into your system as opposed to forcing yourself to be grateful because again, that's just wound on wound. Yeah. It's counterproductive. It's completely, you know, counterproductive. And I think the same thing as well, as you were talking, I was thinking the same thing goes with forgiveness and, um, being able to forgive Mm. because to me, forgiveness is truly beautiful. It's a, absolutely beautiful thing that you're able to um, do to give to yourself, to give to others, but bullying yourself into it for the sake of being Mm. spiritual or bullying yourself, like just pushing yourself because you think it's like the right thing rather than the right is like very counterproductive. I mean, people always ask me, you know, how do you do that? How do you push this? I'm like, you don't push yourself. You, you work with it, you meet it, you heal it. And then one day, when you're to the point where you're like not that walking wound or at least that part of you is not gaping open, if it feels right, you give yourself that gift and you give someone else that gift, but also don't bully yourself into it. There is no point. And also it's so, it's like, it's, it's gaslighting yourself. It's so um, cruel to you. And also I find that when, because I think for me, um, the reason that I was able to forgive, especially like my dad with all of the trauma that we, um, mm. all of the shit that we contracted to put each other mm. through, uh, God bless my dad. <laughs> I love, but mm. I got to the point where I wanted to love him more than I wanted to be angry and to hate him. Mm. But that took yeah. me, you know, 20 years to get yeah. there or like, you know, yeah. at least 15 because I didn't walk out of the womb hating him. Um, <laughs> but it, it, it's sincerely, yeah. it, it's something that you have to meet and allow in and, find and I just really think that's a really important thing that more people need to think about because it's so easy for someone to come along in a new age perspective and be like just forgive and it's like no if you've been your whole life been told what to do been you know trapped that's a really dramatic like that's like almost impossible and also you're completely disrespecting yourself your energy your body the trauma that it's feeling the lack of safety it's feeling if you just choose to just pretend to like forgive it's it's a bizarre thing Mm. isn't it it's yeah oh my gosh yes that's again one of the traps that I fell into in the beginning but at the end of the day you're not even really falling into a trap because it's not something you can bypass it's one of those things that bites you in the ass like thing we were talking about with the existential thing um and um and yeah I feel like what I've learned about forgiveness is you can set the intention to to forgive because it's again it's that two-part thing where at the end of the day you know your soul and your spirit forgives everything forgives everyone because it's unconditional love all of that (laughs) but at the end of the day um at the end of the day it's also about respecting where your human is at and how 
much they're willing to give if they're willing to give anything at all and just honoring that process because also I noticed that people who are trying to rush forgiveness so that's like a wound in and of itself you know what I mean anytime you are rushing or forcing or um you know rushing or forcing or again that bullying thing um anytime you're doing that you are coming from a very 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 wounded place and I found that I was only able to truly feel the beautiful consequences of forgiveness in my heart when I really just honored not even just honored when I completely let go of of expectation as to how it was going to look like and how long it's going to take so um for me also it was really about setting the intention and then grieving when I needed to Mm. celebrating when I needed to grieving again if I needed to grieve again and just really allowing the process to 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 take me on a journey instead of trying to force my agenda my forgiveness agenda Um, which really just doesn't really work. No. And I think sometimes what people do, and I'm so guilty of this myself. When I say people generally, I mean a younger Mary Louise, (laughs) Um, (laughs) you know, we kind of want to forgive for a reason. We want to forgive to meet a need within ourselves. And that in itself Mm. is a wound. Like, I, I see, I look at my younger self and I see that, you know, that little girl who's very wise, but was still learning and she kind of wanted to forgive so that the pain would go away. And she wanted to forgive so that she could find love because that was a big thing, you know, like find a boyfriend. And it was like that inner wound, that need and that need to be fulfilled that wasn't coming from me because the truth is like, we all want things from the outer world. That's fine. We are allowed to want things. We're allowed to want people. We're allowed to want love, but it's better for it to be a want and a desire than a need because a need, Mm. there's no guarantee that any of that's ever going to be there. So we need to meet needs within ourselves or else, you know, you're screwed at the end of the day. You're going to, it's going to come back to bite you in the ass. And is it, is that always perfectly set out in the real world? No, that's a bit of an idealistic approach to say it like that. But I've found that general consensus has worked for me overall. Um, but, you know, we forgive for a reason and wanting to forgive to get there, to get somewhere and having your own agenda behind it just really doesn't help. It really yeah. limits you. And then you do become that walking wound because then mm. you're forcing yourself to meet another wound. And then it's just a collection. really. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, 100%. I agree. And I feel like, that's also where, um, where listening to your soul and trusting it to take you where it wants to take you comes in. And I know we re- we can't really do this initially. Um, we don't know how to connect to our soul. We don't really trust our soul. We don't really trust anything. But along the journey, you begin to trust your soul and trust your heart and your heart's intelligence to take the lead. So um, I found that when I was when I arrived at that place of just surrendering to my heart space, um, Mm. everything was kind of revealed to me whenever it needed to be revealed to me. So um, naturally where I needed to forgive came up and at the right doses. And, um, and it was a very kind of guided process. And so it also took the pressure off my human because I didn't even have to figure out like, 
yeah, oh your God, logical mind yeah, yeah didn't or, have to oh, do I anything. have to forgive this now exactly so you kind of you let your soul take the lead and you just follow the instructions and again that's not always a perfect process and you can't always hear your soul and you um it's it's not a it's not it's not a perfect or polished or linear process um but, but that's also truthful. another exactly it's it's also another initiation into learning how to trust yourself instead of trying to figure everything out which also again comes from comes from fear comes from your mind comes from comes from ego um and so the more you can let go and let your process lead you um the more the, the easier it's going to feel not necessarily um pain free but um it's definitely going to it's definitely going to feel much easier and take the pressure off your human it's a really sad thing to me that we live in a world where majority of people don't know what that is like they just don't know yeah. they are yeah. so we're so swept off in this narrative of receiving all um knowledge from the external world and yeah so many times i come to me and this is not a dig at all my clients because i love you all all of you <laughs> love you all um but people come to me and I speak and I speak and I speak and everything resonates. And like, yeah, it's, it's like, I kind of, kind of already knew. And I was like, you're already halfway there. Like it's not, yeah. it's, it's yeah. maybe I put it in a way that was really confirming and maybe I did give you definitely new knowledge, but mm. 95% of it was already so within you and you were already yeah. being led. And it's so sad yeah. to me that we live in a world where we need the confirmation for that when mm. that process is already so accessible to us. Yeah. so accessible yeah yeah we're always more likely to trust someone on the outside even someone with zero knowledge of our situation sometimes, zero. Like zero knowledge of our experience <laughs> it's just the thing that we do and I feel like it's a, kind of like a collective wound it's something that we all learn in childhood in one way or another it's to kind of externalize validation and externalize it just externalize our process of um coming into information or coming into knowing and um at the end of the day and I really I I put I used to put people on a pedestal hardcore mm. especially like western spirituality because I was like whoa these people know what they're talking about and I put everyone on a pedestal and that was just they didn't ask to be on a pedestal a and b it was just so painful for me because I was moving farther and farther away from myself. Um, and at the end of the day, it's like you said, even if people confirm things to you, if you don't allow yourself that direct remembrance through your own body and through your own heart, then anything on the external, it won't really stick. Like it'll yeah. half land or it'll land temporarily, but eventually you're going to look for that second hit, that third hit. and um, you will never kind of be satisfied with external confirmations eventually um, because they're at the cost of your own remembrance. Like if you don't taste, you know, and I don't say this to say that there is no value in other people guiding you. Of course, there's oh, no, no, so no. much value. Don't worry. I'm agreeing with yeah. everything you're saying. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> especially, yeah. Especially when, you know, coaches, healers, intuitives, Psychics, psychics yeah when they lead you yeah when they lead you back to yourself that's like the most powerful gift they can give you because then when you know when they're channeling for you or when they're um 
whatever it is that they're providing you um, is not at the cost of, of your own direct remembrance, if that makes sense. No, definitely. That makes a lot of sense. And it's funny because I actually have an ongoing dialogue with myself where I argue with myself about doing card of the day or like message of the day, whatever mm. I do. Now it's more channeled thing. And it sounds really ridiculous, but I always get a bit like, mm, am I helping people or am I hindering them by constantly giving them the hit of validation that they need? And on one hand, I know spirit's guiding me and then it doesn't work like that. But then also like my human mm. brain overthinks yeah. it and thinks about it existentially. Yeah. Um, yeah, so yeah, yeah. It's a bit of an interesting one because I don't, what I've had to come to is that there's no right or definite or mm. wrong answer that it's just yeah what it is it is what it is yeah. you know and um it's it's an interesting kind of the thing is also i think coming into all of this work and hearing all what you're saying and you know all of that and honoring the human is i've actually really come to the place where i'm like there doesn't have to be an answer and that just goes mm. for generally bigger questions that there doesn't yeah. have to actually be a perfect answer. And for me, that's pretty hard. Mm. That was pretty hard to accept because yeah. I like there to be an answer. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's just a really interesting thing because you're right. Validation, it's so addictive. It's its a drug and it's, it's a bizarre thing. It's just... I don't know where us human beings have ended up because we started oh off so, in such <laughs> a good you. place. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I feel you. I feel you. And um, going back to kind of like the second thing that you were talking about, where you said that um, not needing an answer, not needing a definitive answer to anything, that definitely I'm right there with you. And whenever I have my like every, every not even yearly, it's like every six months I'll have this like pseudo existential crisis situation where I'm going to, where I ask myself why and this and why and what's the point and what's the purpose and blah, 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 if nothing is real, why do I have my page, if, if that if healing, blah, 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 all of that stuff. And um, I feel like, again, not needing an answer, not needing a definitive answer, just takes a whole lot of pressure off. It doesn't, it doesn't. It does in a way that your human or your brain isn't exhausting itself to try and answer questions that don't even really have answers. Um, but also equally, I feel you too, where it's like, it's so, um, it's so satisfying. To... Liberating. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. No, no, it, it is very satisfying. And um, I think yeah. like it's a narrative we have to unlearn because we, yeah. not only as humans, but as spiritual people and beings and yeah. this new age philosophy kind of, and this is why I'm so anti-guru. Like I'm so mm. anti-guru. I just okay. hate the guru model. And I actually don't know many, because I have a lot of friends now that are psychics and they're all around the world. And I actually don't know one of them who's pro-guru, who's like, calls yeah. themselves a guru. And whenever I don't people- even like that word. No, I hate it. It, felt, it feels like so yeah. cult 60s. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Cult oh my God. Yeah. Um, but the idea of like having to unlearn needing to know and needing to mm. have this solid answer and spiritual pit we, we all think we have the answer or we have in the past i actually mm. feel like as a kind of a community or as whoever kind of identifies by that label 
we are kind of unlearning that narrative of like that there is a way to do everything and sudden and like learning to respect the differences we have within the community because like for some people it may be their truth to be a witch and to be all about the earth and then for people like myself for instance I'm like a channel and a star seed and that's where I connect and like we can all and then there's a million other examples and it's like we can yeah. all coexist very peacefully if we just yeah. let go of the narrative that what we do is right and that there is a right answer because there's not yeah. there's a, a right answer according to each person and what fits yeah. best with our tr- yeah i feel you and it kind of takes me back to an example you were talking about earlier when you were talking about your friends uh your spiritual friends and one of them was really hardcore into like activities and the other one was just like doing her nails but doing the nails was so grounding and it kind of as you were saying that it reminds me of for example you know that um when you go to uh a random like tropical island and you find a man that is selling coconuts by the beach and he doesn't know anything about you know quote-unquote spirituality or emotional healing or blah 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 but somehow he's like the most peaceful person Mm. that you've ever met and you're like, what does he know that I don't know? And it's kind of like what you said. It's not that what does he know that I don't know. It's that he's not trying to know anything. He's not trying to police anyone. He's not trying to up mm-hmm. anyone. He's literally cutting his coconuts and he's enjoying them. And um, and yeah, it kind of reminds me of that. Because I always think well, whenever I travel or whenever um, I meet people like that, I used to kind of always ask myself that question, like, what do they know that I don't know? Like, they're so peaceful. They're so, um, they're so in tune with nature. What do they know that I don't know? Um, and it's, it's the fact that they have let go of that arrogance that you were talking about, maybe a little bit more than me. And I'm not saying that you can't be like free of arrogance, but it's like people who aren't even trying, who really, who, they're really not trying can sometimes be the closest to all these beautiful concepts of heart-centered consciousness, forgiveness, surrender, enjoying the moment, um, and things like that, simply because of the fact that they're not really seeking. They're just, they've just, they're in a state of, they're in a like perpetual state of acceptance. Being, exactly. Being, yeah. That's so, that's so beautifully put. And I also think that it kind of, um, it kind of also links up with, the fact that spirituality, so to speak, or like heart consciousness, acceptance, all of these ideals are really universal and you don't actually need to know them Mm. because they are at core who we are. These are just things that like we at a fundamental Mm. level, if we are as soul, just as soul can connect with and can be. Yeah, Uh, I'm so guilty of that. I used to think that, um, the more books I read, the more history I knew, the more things I could recite to you on demand, that that made me somehow have more value somehow. Um, And then when I would come across these personalities, uh, the like fisherman or the coconut man that we were talking about, and they just seemed so much more peaceful than me, um, that kind of made me realize that um, that there's more, and again, I'm not like discounting the value of, like you said, I'm not discounting the value of education and history and math and chemistry. Um, but at the same time, um, if we're kind of using that to just push that narrative of 
information equals better, then, um, then we're not really giving ourselves a chance to really, um, to really taste anything, if that makes sense, because yeah. it's our like minds innately know. Exactly. Exactly. It's like our minds are stimulated and satisfied and our minds are like orgasming, but our soul is like so hungry and starved neglected um, because we're exactly we're just putting we're putting information on a pedestal and we're not um we're not connecting with our nature and the information quote-unquote that exists within us Mm. it's fascinating isn't it it's Mm. really fascinating and it's like an unanswerable question that there's no right or wrong answer it's just it's an idea isn't it it's it's really it's really interesting and i think that the whole being soul-led which I feel like has been an idea that's really come to prominence maybe even in the last 10 years. I don't think that like heart consciousness, it's always been, it's always been there by many names, put it that way. But I feel like being soul led and actually the truth is like people always want to know, like, how do I heal? And I'm like, yeah, but if you really just like take a step back, the wounds are going to come up. So you find your way through them and we are very much led by this amazing being called creator, but also we are creators. So we do get access to that knowledge and it's just about really sitting with it, isn't it? Sitting with it, being with it, simplifying. Yeah, yeah, exactly. The the less you do, the more, literally the less you do, the more. And um, I definitely was also someone who just wanted to like accumulate everything, accumulate knowledge, accumulate like spiritual wisdom and at the end of the day, just in that attempt of trying, I was really missing the point big time. Um, I was just in trying, I'm kind of like, we're reaffirming that it's not innately within us. Mm -hmm. And like you said, when we can literally just take a step back and breathe and um, kind of connect with our bodies and just um, learn how to soothe our minds a little bit, then we'll all the answers will come flooding in. Whatever answer that you need to hear will come flooding in. Yeah. And like, I think sometimes people um, misinterpret when we say that because it doesn't mean suddenly you're going to be this incredible psychic and you're going to know everything and see everything. Mm -hmm. You know, answers can definitely come from outside sources in terms of the people you suddenly come across or the the videos you randomly hear. Um, But it's, it's about, being strong enough and grounded enough in your own who you are and your own your own healing and your own journey to be able to actually hear that stuff and not make Mm. it like this like weird thing for you because I think sometimes and I see this a lot Mm -hmm. as well we kind of talk and listen from our wounds and it's not a it's not an evil thing and it's not a bad thing it's just something that we you know accidentally do because you know and I remember listening to someone but I can't remember quite who it was I can never remember who I listened to um (laughs) but they said you know be really aware that you know what a lot of people say does come from their wounds and that can be really healing because sometimes someone's healing journey or their wound can actually also really help you patch your own wound up so it's not a bad thing but it is something to be um aware of with where we listen and where we take things. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. I'm so glad that you brought that up. Uh, the, the, um, 
the fact that if you are surrendered enough and if you can stay in your body long enough, then answers will come in all different ways. Like so many different forms. Yeah. Sometimes I'll ask a question and then I'll go to this restaurant and I'll open a menu and then there's like this dish and it's called the specific thing that I need to hear. And so it can, it can happen like that. It can happen through song lyrics. It can happen to, through someone um, that you bump into. And like you said, I feel like it's very important to learn how to be in your body so that you can, um, you can, you can realize that. Um, and so you can, you can actually receive it. You know what I mean? Like yeah. if you ask the question and then you don't go to your body to receive, then you're never going to get the answer. But if you ask the question and you learn how to be in your body, the answer will come somehow and you'll know that it's the answer. Cause I know I used to do this a lot too. Like I'll ask a question and then I'll get so impatient. I'll just run back up to my mind and then I'll ask the question in a different way. And in a way that's also kind of like a form of sabotage that I didn't really know. Um, I didn't really see it. I didn't really see it as sabotage, but I was so in distrust over the fact that I could receive answers. And I felt so unworthy of receiving answers mm. that I unknowingly sabotaged myself by staying in my brain and staying in my mind and staying in the questions instead of um, learning how to be in the receptive state. Yeah, no, I, I get that. And even like, I always used to find that what I would do is I would ask a question that I really didn't actually want a bad answer to. And then I would stay so in oh, my mind yeah. <laughs> yeah. and I would just be like anxiously looking for the exact sign that I wanted. Yeah. And I think I'm not here sitting saying that I don't do that still. Cause sometimes, you know, when oh, you're yeah. really close to something, you can't help oh, yeah. it. And it's about, again, just honoring that human and being like, okay, yeah. this is what she needs to do because, and maybe it mm. comes from a wound and that brings up a wound that you then address and you heal and you shift yeah. and you work with because you're realizing that you, yeah. you need to detach from something or that you need to ask yourself why this is so important to you. And maybe there's a really valid reason. Yeah. Maybe it's just a silly thing because Lord knows I'm missensitive. So everything is really, like the stupidest mm. things are in the world are really important Same to girl. me. <laughs> we get it. We get it. Um, it's, but it is like, it's a very interesting thing to sit in receivership because I think a lot of people find it really hard because we attach ourselves to what we want to receive so much, which again is so human but it's, yeah. it's, a, it's a difficult one because like, I don't always know the answer. Like, I'm going to be honest. I don't, yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm actually not very good at sitting in receivership. And I think that goes back to my own generational wounds being, you know, in an Italian family where the women were the slaves and the givers, you mm, know, who did mm, everything. Mm, and the man sits up the mm. head of the table, does absolutely nothing, yeah. Um, yeah. you know, is completely in charge. Um, yeah. you know, so many Italian families as well that like, thankfully not mine, but a lot of the families around, um, you know, my grandparents' generation, you know, there's violence and there's just, mm. you know, emotional abuse and all of this stuff because yeah. this man is in charge and he's taking everything and this woman is yeah. a doormat and it's just the traditional mm. model. Cause I don't really see many men being the doormats here. Cause, and it's not like their mm. fault they need to take responsibility for it but this is the way they've yeah. been raised from past generations mm. and past generations yeah. and it's just yeah. this relentless cycle but i've always like seen and my mum still does it my grandmother is a 
I love her to death and thank God, but she's a slave. She will slide down on the ground and let anyone walk on her because that's how um, she's been conditioned to show love. You know, that's, yeah. yeah, And it's um, something that we really all need to overcome. And it means that what I've had to deal with is that I don't feel like I can take or I can receive. I have to give in order to be worthy Mm. of receiving anything Mm. it's a difficult one to learn to sit in receivership and those those ancestral wounds coming in strong (laughs) oh I feel you I'm so glad you brought that up I was just going to talk about how that's a very wounded feminine trait it's like the sacrificial kind of archetype where um you literally your body literally does not know what it means to receive you you, your ancestors, your whole um, line has been programmed to give. Literally. And receiving is so unsafe for your body. Like for because in the past you were you were isolated or even killed for receiving. You know, like you said, um, if you um, if you attempted to do anything beyond give and give and give and sacrifice there were serious repercussions yeah. for that. None of this and spiritual so, visualizing you're yeah, fine. No, it was no, like no. a hit no, or a no, no, slap, no. abuse. Yes. Yeah. A hit or a slap or abuse. Stoning. And, <laughs> yes. And, you know, your, um, the way you were describing your Italian family side, like that sounds so, I can so relate. I completely feel you on the struggle to receive just because it's almost like we have to undo so much programming just to be able to literally receive our breath, let alone receive all these like amazing, um, all these amazing things. So um, it's definitely a serious and intense process of deprogramming and reprogramming and training your body and training your nervous system to receive. And I'm definitely right there with you. I still, that's like one of my biggest things is learning how to receive and not operating from like the wounded feminine archetype of just constantly sacrificing I I noticed that in my business too like I didn't even realize it but there was a point where I was releasing so much content and I was not making any money like barely any money and everyone like whenever I'd meet anyone they'd be like oh wow like you seem so accomplished you, you seem like you're so far down like um the spiritual path and you're an entrepreneur and this and that and I'm like I literally have like four dollars in my bank account (laughs) and it was that it was like I was constantly emitting that I'm unworthy and I was like emitting all these um my abundance codes were non-existent and so that's something that I really 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 had to work with so I'm really glad that you brought that up yeah no the the truth is like the div- it's it's really interesting that you say that because I it it is such a it's not even just it's cultural karma it's yeah. you know an yeah. intergenerational wound I don't like the word karma because that feels like um we have to pay for it or we, but it's like yeah. it's it's a really big wound and it doesn't yeah. it kind of encompasses all the divine feminine all females you know those who identify as females as well it, it's really yeah. it's a really big wound. Looking at my friends who, for example, are waiting for a man to choose them in love. And sorry if my friends yeah. are listening, I, I'm not talking about you. <laughs> I'll just say that to all of them. But I'm thinking about, you know, girls that I yeah. know who are just yeah. waiting to be chosen by a man, to waiting to be loved, yeah. waiting to be like chosen. And they're sitting there 
waiting to like give all of this to like to him and then men who just have this completely contrary um mindset where they're just ready to take and there's like no doubt in their mind that they will not get this thing whereas within the divine feminine and within you know just the feminine energy in many different archetypes of the feminine we we don't have this expectation to receive anything we just think Mm. that we have to earn everything that nothing's going to come to us that we're going to be just not chosen rejected and it's it's a really fucked up lack of a better word collective wound yeah that we have to heal by healing one at a time and that's just a long process just generally yeah yeah yeah, no, I feel you completely. Wow, like this this topic really, really, really gets me going because it's the same thing. I know it's a wounded masculine issue. So anyone who's operating from wounded energetics is most likely going to kind of like exhibit all of these traits. This is like a, going a bit counter to the way that I was just like, I'm playing devil's advocate. Um, but I do feel that we've concentrated so much on healing the feminine, which is brilliant because it needs feminine. But I also think that if we're going to heal the the feminine, what we also need to concentrate on is Mm. like healing the masculine because it's like that old example of you can teach your daughters how to protect themselves against being raped or you can teach your sons not to rape. Like I know it's it's a very dramatic example because I'm an extremist, so I always go to the most dramatic example. (laughs) Um, But it's true, you know, we we need to address the feminine wounds, but there's also a lot of collective wounds that are coming because of the um, lack of integration between the divine and, yes. you know, the yin and the yang yes. and the yes. feminine and the masculine because we are have yeah. been forced apart. And the truth is that we're so meant to complement each other. Like mm. there's so much um, beauty in the relationship yeah. between male and female. And I'm not yes. talking like not just completely between those two energies there can be so much give and take and balance and you know Mm. women are so strong we're all within the inner world men can be so strong they're about the outer world like there's so much beauty that can come from that and it's like something that we need to address because I reckon that the wounded masculine causes a lot more outward issues than the wounded feminine Mm. (laughs) yeah I feel you completely and I I feel like it's also important to um you know, confront these wounded archetypes within us. So whether you're a man or you're a woman, look at your own inner masculine and inner feminine. And yeah. kind of reminds me of that example you were talking about, about how, you know, most of most women or, you know, even our friends or cousins or sisters, um, they are that they're waiting for the man to give them and they're prepared to give anything. Um, they're prepared to give from an empty cup to receive nothing. Mm, and wow. that's yeah. very and yeah very indicative of their own inner masculine and how dormant their inner masculine is because if we have a safe um if we have a good relationship with our internal masculine on the inside it means we have a good relationship with structure on the inside so we're creating the time to emotionally release we're creating the space and the safety to meet our own needs and so once that uh, once that harmony is uh, like fortified on the inside, then on the outside, you begin to attract um, men that are, or if you're a man, you begin to attract women who match your energy a little bit more because um, at the end of the day, we 
are also all responding to each other's energy. So um, we are responding to the harmony or the disharmony that exists within within each other and within ourselves. And so um, one way to heal the wounded masculine, if you're not a male or if you can't, you know, like, you know what I mean? One way to heal the inner masculine is to confront our own inner masculine um, and how sturdy he is and how secure he is and how much space he can hold for our own internal feminine. No, uh, that's really beautifully put and no, a hundred percent right. And I think that um, many people struggle to balance those two energies Mm. within themselves it's just such a given and even whenever I do shadow work which tends to be a lot um, I often will check in with those two energies and see how they're holding space for each other because I always think I'm quite a masculine energy but I actually think that that's just in my brain and I'm actually a very feminine energy and I'm all about mm. the the providing We're space. We're the same person. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I it's true. I always like the way you see yourself is not always it's always a bit yeah. warped, isn't it? Um but I often find as well that when I'm having um difficulties with you know masculine things and I don't mean like masculine things like traditionally like stereotypical like sport and stuff I mean with you know men and with um men within my family and men within you know men who challenge me and men who don't value me because as a strong woman you are bound to come up against men who do not like your strength that's just a given and a wound of theirs it's actually nothing to do with you it's a wound of theirs but I often find that whenever I really I'm having difficulty there checking in with my um, divine masculine. It's usually really out of balance and it's not created space and it's really wounded and it needs to come out of the hiding spot. So it's a really, it's a bit of a, again, a soul led initiative that you have to Mm. be taken to. And I also think like, because many people, you know, heaps of people are really into the whole twin flame label, which I don't twin flame, (laughs) twin flame, uh, twin flame label, which I don't personally, um, really vibe with but I do have friends who do total respect it's just a personal thing um to me that whole journey is about really bringing into alignment and into harmony those two like energies within you you know really creating harmony within that yin yang kind of you know in that kind of part of yourself and with that aspect and I don't think that I think that's a journey that we all have to go through because often you'll find the male issues that you're confronted with that are like divine like the masculine people outside of you when like they take from you it's like like one of those two energies is giving way I don't know if I'm making sense but yeah yeah, 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 like I always find that um when when men have really taken from me in the past I had gone back into that wounded feminine archetype of the giver and been like, yep, come on. Mm. I'm allowing you. I want your love. I want love. Mm. I want affection Mm. and I need to be loved. Mm. And so when I have checked in with that, that little, that little feminine little one, (laughs) the wounded Mm. one, um, and had brought her like to my attention. And to be honest, sometimes I think the healing is no more than just really seeing her because yeah, yeah. the thing about that archetype of the giver and I go back to, you know, all of those women that I know that are just like doing everything and not appreciated, like my yeah. nonna, um, mm. just 
it's about actually seeing her and then saying, no, 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 you don't need to do that. You need, you, you deserve more and, you know, creating yeah. the space for that. Makes sense. Sorry. Yeah. I don't know if that was a big tangent. Yeah. I don't know if that makes sense at all. That, that makes so much sense. I really relate to that bit about thinking that you are feeling like you're more masculine. Cause I was like that too. Mm. I feel like I had to kind of very early on in my life, just like really take responsibility for everything. And I had a very like protective kind of streak towards, not really towards myself, but towards like my siblings, for example, I was just like very protective and we had to protect and I'm going to take my rights and nobody's, no, you know what I mean? And at the same time, I was like the biggest crybaby and I still am the biggest crybaby that you'll ever meet. And so um, I realized that I was actually a very, um, very feminine, very deeply feminine creature um, but just oper- operating from very wounded masculine energetics, um, like the masculine shell and the masculine um, kind of uh, mode of like forcing and, um, and all of that. And um, it wasn't until I really confronted those, those archetypes within me that I started realizing, you know, in hindsight, looking at all the relationships that I've had and my own relationships with men, you know, romantic friendship, you know, whatever, um, I realized, and I don't, I don't say this to invalidate anything that any, anyone's gone through, but I realized, oh, this is your journey though. You're, much, you're allowed to yeah. have your journey. <laughs> it's fine. Yeah. Um, just how much, um, just how much I was participating in the imbalance that I was seeing, like I was seeing imbalance yeah. in the way that men were treating me and I was like blaming them. And at the same time, I wasn't taking responsibility for the imbalance that I had created on the inside. And obviously I know I didn't create it by myself, like blah, 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 growing up, all this, that. Um, But at the same time, um, I feel like there is something to say about taking responsibility, like you said, for that, for that balance on the inside, because once you do, then um, you're not in that waiting energy or that seeking energy or that um, any sort of wounded energy. And from that space, you're in an um, empowered you can attract, energy. Exactly. And that's not to say that, you know, you can never need anyone or you'll never need someone while you're breaking down or any of that. It's no, just that's say, not the like, point. No, no. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Not at all. Not at all. <laughs> I, I'm, I, I don't like it when people are like anti-romance. Oh, no. Like, oh, while no, you're no, growing. No, if, no, 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 no. If you didn't have yeah. a relationship while you were healing and growing, like there are certain times I've felt that I've needed to be alone, but you would never have a relationship. It's such nonsense. Yeah. Yeah, 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 exactly. I feel like, um, I feel like if you're a baseline or if you know how to hold space for yourself and your baseline is predominantly, um, balanced, then I feel like it's so beautiful if someone steps in and then holds space for you. Mm. Um, yeah. So, um, yeah, exactly. I know it's a beautiful thing and it's, it's just a really interesting part of all of us that we do have these two really unique and interesting parts of us because we all have feminine energy and we all have masculine energy and both are just such different and awesome things. Like I think, yeah, it's, and it's really interesting as well with the taking responsibility. It's such a pivotal part of my own spiritual 
dogma or doctrine. Mm. I don't know. Um, and I blamed myself for a lot of things just generally in my life um, because I'm yeah. inclined sometimes, I think, and I think this is a lot of people more inclined to decide that you're at fault than someone else is at fault. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's an interesting thing. And I think that comes from that generational wound of being the giver and being like, well, I must be wrong because they can't be wrong. Um, mm. It's just really interesting because it's a it's a fine line of blaming and taking responsibility. But the thing is, we all allow certain things. We do, and you know, yeah. it, we don't allow everything. There are definitely things that happen completely without our consent, and those are those barriers that we were talking about at the start. You know, where things happen that are yeah. so outside your control that you can't visualize your way. <laughs> um, mm. But you can take responsibility for the pain that they cause by choosing. Yeah to look after yourself through it. And I think that's all it is. And it's, it's a, it's interesting because I think we all, we all allow things to happen in order to compensate for, for the wounds of those two masculine and feminine beings, you know, just allowing things to happen so that we feel full within them and and feel whole within Mm. them. It's, it's interesting. And it's, it's yeah. such a um, because our gender roles have all been so fucked up for so long. Mm. Whatever culture you want to go to, it doesn't matter. Whoever there's, yeah, there's you, you know, there's either there's something there always. <laughs> even if it's an imbalance, the other way of a really strong female yeah. and weak. It, on the whole, it's not. It's more the weak, the the you know, disregarded yeah. hurt female. But it doesn't matter. There have been these things that have operated for so long and now we're breaking down these paradigms and we have to give ourselves a break because the Mm. truth is that even 50 years ago, these, these archetypes Mm. were still in full force and they still are today. I mean, as you were talking, I was kind of also thinking about the very like collective childhood wound of good kid versus bad kid. And I feel like you go even Actually, I don't think this is going deeper than the archetypes. I feel like this is in both um, both feminine and masculine archetypes. But um, I feel like they all stem from uh, the good kid versus bad kid thing, where if I do this, I'm going to be accepted. I'm going to be loved. And on kind of like the wounded masculine spectrum, that looks like power. And for the feminine, it's like, if I do this, I'm going to be accepted. I'm going to be loved. And it looks like, getting affection um, from the uh, wounded, I mean, yeah, wounded feminine's perspective. And, um, and yeah, about the whole, sometimes we just have to like take a break and give our, you know, pat ourselves on the back and um, just kind of, it kind of made me think about how sometimes doing the work is letting yourself just not do any work. Yeah, um, I, I feel like <laughs> giving yourself I feel a break. Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I feel like we can also get stuck in this um, hamster wheel of constant definitely. healing and shadow work, and I am definitely guilty of that because yeah, I'm always like, okay, let's just go in there and get everything. Yeah, let's just go in there and get everything and bust through the blocks, and you know. Um, but at the same time, rest is an integral part of healing, and just allowing time for integration and allowing time to literally sit and do nothing or just enjoy your smoothie or um, enjoy the company of the people around you. There's, um, there's a lot of healing in that too. 
No, definitely. And I think that you're right. There is a bit of a sometimes healing hamster wheel where you just keep going round Mm. and round. And I think sometimes even it sounds a bit bizarre, but I think we get a bit trauma bonded to our wounds where we kind of get yeah, a little bit addicted yeah. to um, working on or through them. It's It sounds really bizarre, but I've seen it with myself and I've seen it with um, other people. Because I remember I was listening to this amazing, she's a psychologist and a counselor. I think she's a sexologist, actually. I can't remember her name. See, I can never remember names, but she's brilliant. I put, I'll put her on. <laughs> but she was talking about how you know, sometimes we stay with partners who are kind of toxic for us or not good because they're actually triggering a wound and to run away wouldn't serve us. And, you know, to run away and get out of that relationship. And I'm not talking about domestic violence here because it's a different kettle of fish. But um, sometimes if we move away from a partnership, we would just recreate the same dynamic because it's really us that's looking for it. But then, and I thought that was really interesting, but nothing that I really didn't already know. But then she said, but then there comes a point where you actually can't work on anything, something, anything more. And you just become trauma bonded to that relationship because, or you kind of form this trauma bond with this person and this relationship and this dynamic because it's all that you have known and it's like that's the time where it's to go okay no no you you need to leave it so I think sometimes it's important to remember that you are just more than the healing you do and that joy and pleasure Mm. in itself and Mm. having fun and just doing something because you want to not just thinking oh is it the right path is it the good thing like just what do you want to do like are you going to enjoy this like do it and um just actually following a bit more upping joy and pleasure because you yeah. deserve it. It's like a yeah. fine balance of doing the work, but also just enjoying your life. <laughs> yeah, 100%. I remember this thing that you told me once during uh, a session that I had with you. And it, it's, I can't remember exactly what you said, but it was along the lines of there comes a point when you become kind of addicted or have like a trauma bond with your own quote-unquote karma and I remember Mm. writing that down because it really really struck me and that really really struck me because it made me very like instantly acutely aware of all the areas where I was kind of addicted to like the I was kind of addicted to the healing or addicted to having something to look at or something to sit with or something to Mm. heal and I feel like that goes back to kind of like this thing we said earlier about how we need to allow this to be a soul-led process. So if your soul thinks that you need to look at this piece in order for you to up-level into the next phase of your life, your soul will show you. Like you can trust that whatever trauma or not even non-trauma, whatever pattern, belief system um, that needs to be revealed to you, exactly, it will come right up. And um, I feel like it's really important to trust that because then we know when to kind of like sit back and when to really just like, um, dig your hands yeah and like I don't know about you but like I some one trauma at a time is enough for me and I think sometimes mm. I go why am I trying to deal with five traumas <laughs> so mm. why am I trying to fix every wound and that's why yeah. it's just important as just to like when stuff's meant to come up and when you're meant to deal and know with stuff and the good thing is spirit your soul, whatever you want to call it, has, you know, your higher self, it actually has a higher perspective than you. So mm. it knows when you need to deal with things and yeah. you have to just, that's about learning to trust, learning to trust that, yeah. that process of things will come up to be dealt with 
when it is time. And sometimes it is not time for you to deal with something yet, but there is something else to be dealt with. Or maybe it's just time for you to bloody enjoy your life. That is the purpose, you know, it's, it's all, it's, it's a delicate balance. It really, really is. It really is. And if you can just surrender to that balance, you will see everything you need to see. Exactly. Where can we find you? Tell us where can we find you? Cause you do have um, an ebook if I'm not mistaken, and you do do sessions and I feel like you have an upcoming offering. Is it called Haven? If I'm not making. Yeah. So tell us where can we find yes. you? Vimi. So so um, I'm on Instagram for the most part. That's where I post and share the most. And my Instagram handle is Miriam, M-A-R-Y-A-M-A, Abdul Malik, A-B-D-U-L-M-A-L-I-K. It's really long, I know. Um, but it's okay, that's I, will put that, I will put that in the okay. description bar. Don't worry, I got Perfect. you. <laughs> Perfect. Um, and right now, my current offering where we really 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 go deep and it's kind of like my baby is haven and that's my one-on-one program where we um just go really deep into everything that we were talking about in session and um and i have two versions of that currently i have a a long-term commitment which is three months and then a shorter term commitment for someone who um who kind of wants an accelerated version and that one is one month um, and yes, I do have a, an ebook. It's free. You can find it on my website, mariamabdomalik.com. And it's all about triggers and also everything that we kind of talked about and covered in this uh, podcast. But I, yeah, I highly, highly recommend that if you kind of want uh, an introduction into why you get triggered and why you have intense emotions and what that means and how to kind of like navigate it, especially if you're a highly sensitive person. Beautiful. So you'll better go follow her there. And <laughs> she's just really, really Aww. just touching. Like you're a very touching person. I really appreciate that about you. I get a bit awkward when I compliment people, <laughs> but <laughs> I mean it. I know it's the, Aust- it's the Australian, it's the tall poppy syndrome. We're, we're just generally embarrassed people. It's fine. Um, but I just really want to thank you for coming on here. It was really, really good to just be able to chat and discuss. I knew that we'd have like a full on deep philosophical conversation. Mm. That's what we love. So thank you so, so mm. much for coming on here, making the time to come on here. I really appreciate it. Um, thank you so much for this opportunity. And also for just for this conversation, it was, it's been so much fun. And it has um, been. I obviously love talking to you, love your work, obsessed with your work. Thank you. And yeah, I can't wait for people to hear, to hear us talk.